from KQED. Hey everyone, I'm Emmanuel. I'm Kali. And I'm Jimidra. And we're the hosts of The Cooler, your weekly dose of pop culture commentary. Today we are talking about the historical significance of Cinco de Mayo, and it has nothing to do with your ill-advised sombrero in your closet. So put it away. We love them. We love them. We're so sorry that we're going to talk about celebrity apologies. And why we all need to muster a little sympathy for little Kim. Oh. So this episode is coming out on Cinco de Mayo, mm. which for a lot of people means the wrong thing. Tell us. <laughs> Tell us why that is. Yeah, explain that. Most people are like, oh, margaritas or, you know, things like that. Mm. So I'm going to set the record straight. What is Cinco de Mayo? Why are we celebrating? I'll tell you. I'd love to know. All right. Let's start with things it is not. Mm. <laughs> Cinco de Mayo does not represent Mexico's Independence Day. Okay. Okay. That's actually on September 16th. Different whole thing, different year, okay. different situation. Cinco de Mayo is not a holiday commemorating the invention of the margarita. They are delicious and probably deserve their own day, but this is not the one. (laughs) Sorry to say. And Cinco de Mayo is not and never will be a free pass for non-Mexicans to sloppily wear an ill-advised sombrero. Okay, I was going to say, please, can we Poncho, just... maracas, mm-hmm. like just... Yeah, face mustache. Don't, yeah. do don't do it. Don't Keep do it. it cute, people. Mm-hmm. Don't do yeah. that. So now that we know what it isn't, mm-hmm. let's talk about what it really signifies. Okay. And to understand, we need to go a little bit back. Okay, Way let's, back. Let's History hop into lesson. that time machine then. Where's the time machine? The DeLorean? Can we get into it? Yeah, let's get in. Marty! Oh, wait, I don't drive stick. I do. Perfect, Carly. We gotta go back. That's me being Christopher Lloyd. (laughs) That was really good. Thank you. I've been working on it for 30 years. So the Cinco de Mayo that we're talking about is May 5th, 1862. But there was a lot of events that led to this date being significant. So let's go back to when Mexico declared independence from Bugaboo, Spain Mm. in 1821. There was a lot of instability around. They were like, are we a monarchy? Like, what's going to happen? In 1836, some Americans and some Mexicans revolted against the Mexican government. This is now called the Texas Revolution. And they created a republic because they felt like it. This is what we do. Yeah, we're just going to take over this, like, northern territory and just chill and do our own thing. Mm -hmm. And we don't care what you say about it. So, obviously, this did not go over well. And then President Polk... And if you don't remember what I said about him in our presidential episode a couple of weeks ago, he was the one who I said this about. Every party has a pooper, and that pooper was Polk. He banned booze, card playing, and dancing from the White House. So I'm not a huge fan of Polk. (laughs) I don't think I'd ever go to a party thrown by him. No cards, no no booze, and no dancing? What do we do? And just to be on the safe side, I will never go to a party on Polk Street in San Francisco. Just to be on the safe side, because perhaps his influence still endures. Okay, so President Polk Mm -hmm. was like, okay, guys, calm down. We'll buy this territory from you. And then Mexico was like, "Um, you don't even go here. Like, (laughs) f*** you. (laughs) So Polk ordered troops to enter Mexico territory, and this resulted in what our textbooks call the Mexican-American War. 
and what the Mexicans call Primera Intervención Estadounidense in Mexico, which means First Intervention of the United States in Mexico. Did you catch that first? First. The first one. Yes. Mm, they're like, all tea, all shade, this is what it really is. <laughs> I'd also like to add that my bay, mm -hmm. Lincoln, did not support the Mexican-American War. Neither did Frederick mm. Douglass. So I have good taste in men, is what I'm saying. Okay. okay. <laughs> so after that whole Mexican-American War, or I'm not going to say all the Spanish again because yeah. I'm bad at it, uh, there was something called the Reform War, which was more of a civil war between Mexicans who had different ideas of how much the church should be involved in the government. Mm, an old story. Yes. Oh, man. All of these wars, as you would imagine, left Mexico bankrupt as hell. Was expensive. Mm -hmm. So they couldn't pay their foreign debts, which led France, Britain, and Spain to send naval forces. And they blasted Rihanna's, bitch, better have my money. <laughs> the DeLorean in full force again. <laughs> yep. And eventually Britain and Spain negotiated some deal and mm -hmm. they went home. Mm. Not France. Led by Napoleon's nephew, Napoleon III. Oh. Napoleon III saw an opportunity. He's like, I'm going to establish an empire here. Opportunity. Exactly. Maybe. Translation. <laughs> so he was going to set up an empire which would be amenable to French interests. And he also heard about this American Civil War and he's like, I'm going to meddle in that shit too. Mm. And I'm going to support the Confederacy against oh. the Union. Mm. Yes. Wrong side of history, little Napoleon. Ooh. So the French attack with Napoleon III running the whole thing. The Mexican president, Juarez, and his government retreated because they were outnumbered. France, at this point, had not been defeated for 50 years, and they just were well-resourced. And Mexico, like we said, had been through all these wars and did not have the resources or the men to fight this force. But that all changed near the town of Puebla. Oh, okay. On May 5th, 1862. Wait, that's the name of the day. Cinco de Mayo. Imagine. Imagine. So. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I feel like this explanation is taking as long as the war did. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> the Mexicans were outnumbered. The French were feeling themselves and they, they were like, oh, we got this. Mm. And yet the Mexicans pulled it out. Hmm. David and Goliath realness. Ooh. Okay, okay. They took it down. Unfortunately, that didn't end the war. The war went on for six more years. <sighs> but it was more of a symbolic thing for a lot of Mexicans to feel patriotism and unity. Yeah. And so to this day, it represents that. Scholars say if the battle at Puebla hadn't been won, France would have supported the Confederates and our own history would be quite different. Oh, whoa. Mm. So when we celebrate Cinco de Mayo, think of all that. Also think about our flag being a Confederate flag. It's like one of those uh, kind of nightmarish futures. or Sliding doors. Yeah. yeah well, I was more doors. thinking of if the Nazis had won. Oh, Ooh. gosh. Sliding... It was a TV show that I watched three episodes of and couldn't yeah, get Yeah, what was that even called? Uh, oh, my gosh. It was on... It Man was in a... the High Tower. Yeah, Man in the High Tower. Yeah. Bingo. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That was a great commentary on that. Both of us were just like, <laughs> yeah, watched two episodes. It was all right. So Cinco de Mayo was celebrated in... California since 1863 and virtually ignored in Mexico. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> How embarrassing for us. Yeah, so um, we're feeling it. <laughs> they apparently have other things to celebrate that aren't this. What, what a helpful primer. Thank you very much. So uh, there you go. Yeah. Thank you for enlightening us, sir. Yeah, You're great. welcome. Anytime. <laughs> Oh!
Okay, folks, I know this was not that recently, but have you been witnesses to the Johnny Depp and his wife Amber Heard video apologising for bringing her two Yorkshire Terriers into Australia illegally? (laughs) Have you seen this video? Okay, so to back up, a couple of months ago, or perhaps many moons ago, Amber Heard goes to visit Johnny Depp while he is filming the latest instalment of Pirates of the Caribbean that nobody wants to actually see. Of course. He is filming it in Australia. She goes to visit him. She brings their two Yorkshire Terriers. One is called Pistol. The other one is called Boo. (gasps) Pistol and Boo. Pistol and Boo. Sounds like two characters from Empire. It's a pretty good name. Cookies lost uh, children. Pistol Lion. (laughs) (laughs) Boo Lion. So she lands in Australia. She either forgets or decides not to declare her dogs at customs, effectively smuggling two Mm. very small, potentially toxic dogs into Australia. Hilarity and anger ensue. The Australian government are not happy. This kind of thing, breaching quarantine laws, can actually come with some really hefty fines and jail time. So, you know, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard are like, oh, silly us, we forgot the dogs. And the Australian government are like, no, you don't get away that easily. So last week, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard issue an apology, which sounds a little bit like this. Australia is a wonderful island with a treasure trove of unique plants, animals and people. It has to be protected. Australia is free of many pests and diseases that are commonplace around the world. That is why Australia has to have such strong biosecurity laws. And Australians are just as unique, both warm and direct. When you disrespect Australian law, they will tell you firmly. I am truly sorry that Pistol and Boo were not declared. Protecting Australia is important. Declare everything when you enter Australia. Thanks. It's almost like someone was standing like with a gun to their head, like threatening them. So naturally, Twitter had a lot of fun with this. The hashtag War on Terrier was invented, which is pretty good. And also in the video, he doesn't seem like a great actor. Obviously, he's like saying what they want him to say. But you would think this fine actor Uh, would be able to pull it off and not seem like he was like... And Australia's really great. Well, and, I think uh, it's he's trying to be knowing a kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge about uh, it. Like, we know this is silly, but, oh, you know, and Amber Heard's, like, taking one for the team, and she's doing all the sincere bits since it, they were her dogs, and he's just saying, it has to be protected. It's not, yeah, it's <laughs> and, not working. They should have hired some funnier die people. Because... <laughs> exactly. Like, do one or the other. Go sincere or go funny, but don't do Can't both. do both. By the way, I do love that the official statement from Australia's agriculture minister, a guy called Barnaby Joyce, who was the guy who threatened to have the dogs put down back in the day when this created some kind of big stir. He told the news that he was pleased that the video was getting views all around the world. He thought that, you know, even though people were like, what the hell is this apology? It was doing its job. And his official statement was, what I can say is, although I don't think Johnny Depp's going to get an Academy Award for his performance, the fact that he did it, he looked like he was auditioning for The Godfather. It was was bizarre. (laughs) This is the best bit. At the end of it, we've got a message that is going all around the world right now. It's going off like a frog in a sock, telling people that if you come into this nation and you don't obey our laws, you're in trouble. Official statement. Oh, the frog in a sock. Frog in a sock. First time I've ever heard frog in a sock. It's going off like a frog in a sock. If you are Australian and you use the phrase, it's going off like a frog in a sock, please tweet at KQED Pop because that's amazing and we want to find out. Okay, so what actually happened though? He's like, the the message is that if you mess with us, then we're going to punish you. Were they punished? We just don't know what's going to happen. Amber Heard could go to jail for smuggling these two Yorkshire Terriers. Oh, is that serious? Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, girl. But this got me thinking about the classic art of the celebrity apology. Oh. Because I feel like this happens more and more these days with Twitter. It's very easy to fire off an apology. You don't have to call a press conference. But like the, the very fact that, you know, we expect celebrities to apologize is really interesting. And we couch it in a lot of moralistic stuff. But at the end of the day, it's basically because they're afraid their careers are going to suffer, right? They're afraid they'll lose the money. Pretty much. So. Endorsement deals going out the window. Exactly. Well. Two words, Paula Dean. Oh. <laughs> Who I've actually left off this list of apologies because oh we God. don't need to talk anymore about Paula Dean. I forgot about that. Yeah, that battle tanked. Yeah, she lost. Oh, is it too late like, to say sorry? I think it is for her. I think it is. Tearful. Remember, that was Do like. Do you remember, a... I is what I Ooh, is and no. I'm not changing? Oh, Direct quote, Paula Dean. Yeah. So, of course, I could not resist delving into the back catalogues of classic celebrity apologies because they all fall into different buckets. Okay, let's get to it. And I want to tell you about some apologies, and I want to hear your one to five rating. Ooh. From five being, that's a really good apology, well done you. You're forgiven. Back to one, that's a terrible apology, do it again. Well, let me, I should have brought a number two pencil. (laughs) I did. (laughs) (laughs) Make your marks heavy I literally am holding a pencil. I did, sir. I did. Scantron. Okay. Teacher's pen. (laughs) Okay, number one, there's the apology that's actually... A pretty good apology, right? It kind of serves its function. The person conveys that they're sorry, and you pretty much believe them. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the actor Jonah Hill. He had an incident, I think, last year where he hurled a really nasty uh, gay slur at a member of the paparazzi, which is frighteningly common, actually, in celebrity circles. Alec Baldwin's done that. We'll go on to talk about that a bit later. Um, But Jonah Hill's apology was interesting because he kind of did the usual bunch of saying, like, you know, I'm sorry, you know, words are important. Um, But he took it one step further. He said, words have weight and meaning, and the word I chose was grotesque, and no one deserves to say or hear words like that. He's talking about the F word, the homophobic F word. Mm. And he said, I completely let the members of the LGBTQ community down. I'm genuinely and deeply sorry to anyone who's been affected by that term. So, so far you're thinking like, ah, this is, this is it's pretty standard. Like so far, yeah. But then he said, I don't deserve or expect forgiveness. Use me as an example of what not to do. Oh, Which I think that's pretty interesting. I haven't heard that in a celebrity hmm. apology before. And let me tell you, you're not going to hear anything like this in the ones that I'm about to read you. So you're so saying like, Use that as high. a bit of a benchmark. <laughs> so that's the benchmark. And now let's okay. go right down. <laughs> okay. Can we vote? Absolutely. Right. Yeah, one to five. What do you think? Jonah Hill. I love that he used the word grotesque. Grotesque is a mm-hmm. great word. And he not only said LGBT, but LGBTQ. Yep. Okay. So yep. I would say that's a solid four out of five. That okay. shows that he's been doing some thinking about it, right? And he didn't yeah. do the typical, like, I'm sorry that you're upset yeah. mm-hmm. by what I said. I'm sorry, but. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll get into those. <laughs> I'm sorry, but. I appreciate that he said, I'm not here for forgiveness. Yeah. I'm not here for your forgiveness. I'm here to be an example. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with that. 4.5. 4.5. Cool. So he's, he's coming out good. He's averaging 4.5. Two five. Yeah, he can come on the show. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go all the way back to 2012, guys. Oh. Back what was his... happening in 2012? That DeLorean is getting a lot of use in it. Well, so. it's funny you, you're talking about cars because in 2012, Kristen Stewart was driving her Mini Cooper <gasps> around Los Angeles. Is Kristen Stewart the, the Twilight woman? She's, yes. a, she's the Twilight lady. She was okay. also making a film called Snow White and the Huntsman. Mm-hmm. Oh, here we go. And here she was having go. a dalliance with the film's director called Rupert she has, Sanders. She has not been able to get back. And is it because of this Apology. Okay, go because ahead. their apology is so strange.
strange. Okay. The guy, the director was married. Uh, he's the one that was married, by the way, with, mm-hmm. I believe, two children. She was also in a relationship. He issued a, a full and frank, like, oh, I'm so Not sorry. Not just apology. any relationship. She, she was in, Robert like, some high-profile, like, Twilight on and off-screen couple. Like, she was in a relationship with Rob, was it Robert? Robert Pattinson. Who was yeah. the lead in Twilight. So, you Our know, pets. teeny boppers everywhere were rooting for them. Yeah, and it resulted in this statement. I'm deeply sorry for the hurt and embarrassment I've caused to those close to me and everyone this has affected. This momentary indiscretion has jeopardized the most important thing in my life, the person I love and respect the most, Rob. That's Robert Pattinson. I love him. I love him. I'm so sorry. Okay, first off, that's it? Yeah, that's it. Okay, first of all, she cheated with a married man, so nothing to his wife. Nope. Nothing to the children. Nope. Nothing to the fans. No. Nope. Because no, she's got like some teeny bopper fans. So yep. she's obviously a, a role model whether or not she yeah. wants to. And I'm sure that this has one eye on those fans because she's directing it all at her Twilight. Well, she's, and she says like uh, the, the way the apology was going when she was like, I let down the one person. I thought she was going to say me. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I played myself. <laughs> yeah, she's like, my career is swirling in that toilet going down. Yeah, I love him. I love him. I'm so sorry. Where is her PR person? Ooh. That's why you pay these people. Olivia these Pope, people. girl. Why didn't Seriously. girl? Do you know what, though? Devil's advocate. Okay, Come listening. on. Okay, so like apologizing to his wife and his kids and stuff, like that's not her problem technically. He's the one who'd made vows and promises to these people. Mm-hmm. She made promises to Rob, so mm-hmm. she's focusing on him. Okay, okay. And... I kind of like the lyricism of I love him, I love him. It's got that kind of Streisand quality. Yes. Quite And so I'm going to give it a three. Oh, Jamidra? I'm going to give it a point five. (laughs) Damn. Okay. Kristen Stewart, not going to be on the show. Five. (laughs) What a shame. (laughs) Okay. We now move on to the classic sorry, not sorry apology. Number one, we've got our friend in public radio, Alec Baldwin. Yes. (laughs) Um, who has issued not one but two very infamous apologies. Number one, back in the day, he was heard on tape calling his then 11-year-old child, Ireland Baldwin, a rude, thoughtless pig. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, and he told it, you don't have the brains or the decency as a human being. That's to an 11-year-old. So he then apologized for you know, being found out that this had happened. But he blamed the stress on the custody battle he was having with Ireland's mother, Kim Basinger, who came up in the last podcast (laughs) with her dalliances with Prince. Yes. And he said, I have been driven to the edge by parental alienation for many years now. You have to go through this to understand, although I hope you never do. Mm. So it's all about him. Was that a, was that even an apology? That wasn't uh, an apology? Apparently so. Yeah, there were oh. bits of sorry all around that. But. Okay, first of all, I'm not even going to rate that one because I think that was a conversation that happened on a phone call mm. that that was recorded and then like released or leaked or whatever. Yeah. Like, do I think it, it was, was a voicemail right? he left on yeah. his, his kid's phone? Like, do I think it was right? No, but I don't think he owed the public an apology at all. I think he owed his child. Interesting. An apology. Okay, and he made like not even Kim. Yeah, he he don't he doesn't owe me anything. Okay, so rating not applicable. Unrated. I'll give it a zero. A, a solid zero. Cool. So the second one he did when, hey, is this Jonah Hill? No, it's Alec Baldwin <laughs> calling another paparazzi a gay slur. I think the same word. Oh, come on. And he said, I did not intend to offend or hurt anyone with my choice of words, but clearly I have. And for that, I'm deeply sorry. Words are important. Just to return to the first bit, I did not intend to hurt or offend anyone with my choice of words. It's interesting to have an intention with that word that's, that wouldn't lead to my, yeah. something bad. 
what was it? Like, my intention using this word was not that. Okay, well, then was it to start a conversation around gay slurs in America? <laughs> start the, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. So yeah. Zero out of five. Zero. So a zero. That, yeah, that's a zero. That's a zero. Okay. Oh, dear. Okay. So second in the sorry, not sorry annals is Christian Bale, who was caught in 2009 being mm. a dick. <laughs> on the Terminator Salvation set. I want you off the f***ing set, you prick! I'm sorry. No, don't just be sorry. Think for one f***ing second. What the, the f*** are you doing? I was looking at the light. Oh, good for you! And how was it? I want to f***ing kick your f***ing ass. You know, shut up for a second, all right? I'm going to go. Do you want me to go f***ing trash your lights? Do you want me to f***ing trash them? Then why are you trashing my scene? So he gave an, uh, an apology on a radio show and he said, it starts off really well, by the way. He said, I was out of order beyond belief. I was way out of order. I acted like a punk. I regret that. And you're thinking, yeah, this, is, this is a good apology. Trouble is, he does not stop there. He says, I'm an actor and I don't quite know how to handle this movie star thing. I've heard a lot of people saying that I seem to think I'm better than anyone else. Nothing could be farther from the truth. I'm a lucky man. I never forget that. And that is why I put so much into what I do and why I care so much about it and why sometimes that enthusiasm just goes awry. <laughs> enthusiasm. Okay, context. Yeah. context. Was this a press release or was this an interview? This was a radio interview. Okay. So he has verbal diarrhea here. Like, okay, so he went talking. into the apology. Then he went into therapy. He was basically like, I care too much. Immediately after. Yeah. This, so th- I feel the same way about that situation. He does not owe us an apology per se. He owes the person an apology. Interesting take. Like, what, you're yelling at somebody on a movie set. That's not, it's that rude. has nothing to do with rude. me. It's rude as hell. Yep. It ain't got nothing to do with me. You owe that person an apology. And you need to say, listen, I was out of pocket, period, point blank. That was the end of it. We didn't okay, need to go into so therapy Okay, so not applicable, unrated? I say unrated. Like, unrated. I yeah, I feel like it's damage control because we heard about it because there was footage. That's why. Otherwise, if there were just reports, he would not be apologizing to us. But it's pretty creative to turn going ham on someone, or should I say going off like a frog in a sock on someone. It's going off like a frog in a sock. (laughs) It's weird to turn that into enthusiasm. Like, that's some good creative writing. So he gets one point for that, one out of five. You have a good point about that. Yes. You're so magnanimous today. Mm Mm-hmm. Can I say that? You know, I apologize for my enthusiasm. Exactly. <laughs> I did not mean to call you out of your name. It just, well, this is a great segue into the next type of apology, which is the, but I was only trying to yeah. apology. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I was only trying to do that. No. So this is <laughs> exemplified in uh, Ariana Grande's apology <gasps> in uh, 2015. She was <laughs> for licking a donut. She was filmed in a donut <sighs> shop, licking the donuts that were on display, not buying them, putting them back, and then saying to the friend who was with her, "I hate Americans. I hate America." Oh yeah. And obviously that's unacceptable in Do America. Do you know why she said that though? Because she heard my Cinco de Mayo segment she and did. was like, you know what? We the Mexican-American the war was wrong. <laughs> I'm with Lincoln on this one. No. She had a DeLorean. She heard a future segment yeah. in the podcast that hadn't even been born yet. <laughs> Go on. But this was her apology. So, again, starts well, but then the wheels come off. What I said in a private moment with my friend who was buying the donuts, 
my side detail there, was <laughs> taken out of context. And I'm sorry for not using more discretion with my words. So sorry, not sorry. Um, she knows what she was saying is a mistake. But then this happens. She says that she feels frustrated by how freely we as Americans eat and consume things without giving any thought to the consequences that it has on our health. PSA. Uh, guys, she was making a comment on American obesity rates. Why can't you see that? Girl, stop. <laughs> Rating? <laughs> Rating? Okay. Mm. I'll give it a two. Mm. Because you know what? Because if I was her, I wouldn't have said anything at all. She's like, what? I do a, hate America. Take a page out of the, take a page out of uh, like Beyonce's book and just don't acknowledge it. Write a song about it. Oh. Yeah. Again, with the creativity, mm-hmm. spinning that, licking the donut into Michelle Obama's trying to get us all to eat healthier, and I believe that too. <laughs> Kudos and snaps to you. You have a voice of an angel. Yeah. 3.5. Yeah. Ooh, you know so why? generous. It's just because I like her music. Uh, then also, like, she's like, what, 19? Is she 19 or is she grown now? She's older than that, I think, because I follow her on Snapchat. She'd be drinking. <laughs> I just feel like how many times have you heard young people say they hate America or they hate anything? All the time. I feel like they just throw it around. Like, hate is not, a, yeah. it does not have a strong. Oh, I sort hate of that. Yeah. I hate that. Oh my God, I hate you. Oh yeah. my God, I hate it. Also, so. to be fair, historically, America's done some pretty messed up mm-hmm. things. And I mean, hate is a strong word, it is. but maybe she was frustrated in that moment, whether it's America intervening in Mexico or other places around the world. So maybe she should have turned that conversation. Not about health, but about interventionist manifest destiny BS. Ooh, well, this so that is, would have been a five out of five for me. This so is a, a, in case you hadn't heard, Emmanuel is leaving the Cooler Podcast to go work for Popes <laughs> and Associates, <laughs> or I'm being deported because of all this anti-American rhetoric. Finally, all those calls we've been making, yeah, paid finally. Off. Well, this is a great segue into our next. Uh, I was only trying to apology, Ooh. Matt Damon. Last year on an episode of Project Greenlight, the reality show for aspiring filmmakers. There was a filmmaker on that show called Effie Brown and uh, Matt Damon saw fit to interrupt her and uh, lecture her on what diversity is as she was talking about diversity in Hollywood. Um, And obviously people are like, oh, not cool. I think they called it matsplaining. (laughs) I just want to bring up something. I just would want to urge people to think about Whoever this director is, the way that they're going to treat the character of Harmony, the, her being a prostitute, the only black person being a hooker who gets hit by her white pimp. You have you looking at this group right here and who you're picking and the story that you're doing. And I just want to make sure that we're doing our, I will our say best that the forward. only team that's left with diversity is the team that announced that they like this script the most as it is. And that's Leo and Kristen. Everyone else had major problems and with I, but it. And with exactly the things that you're bringing up and exactly the things that we brought up to each other. So, I, so I think on the surface, they mm-hmm. look like one thing, but they might end up giving us True something ethic. that we don't want. And when we're talking about diversity, y- you do it in the casting of the film, not in the casting of the show. Whew. Wow. Okay. And Effie Brown is a black woman. I believe okay. so. And, and Matt Damon was schooling her on diversity. He was. Continue. He was. <laughs> because he thought he knew best. And obviously people were like, I don't think you do know best, Matt Damon. <laughs> and so he issued a statement via his publicist um, in which he was saying that, yes, filmmaking does need more diversity. And that his comments were part of a much broader conversation around diversity in Hollywood. He said he was sorry that they offended some people. Ugh. But at the very least, I am happy that they started a conversation about diversity in Hollywood. Guys, he was just trying to get us all talking about mm-hmm. diversity. That's what he was doing. Yeah. So his intention 
was not to offend, but he is happy that it started a conversation. Oh, yeah. So, Matt, Matthew, let me holler at you real quick. <laughs> um, <laughs> in case you didn't know, the conversation has already been started, and it is happening continuously. It doesn't start until Matt Damon says it, just, it does. Yeah, so, Matthew, no. Just Marks? Call, call me. Out of five? Call me. Out of five? Mm, mm, mm. Unrated. <laughs> This is hurting you in the depths of your soul. Well, you know what? Because I was right. Matthew is my guy. See, you see, I can call him Matthew. He's your guy? He is my guy. Like, I like Why? him. Matt Damon's I your like guy. Him. Matthew yes. Damon. Yes. I have liked him. I've always liked him. So I was shocked. I was clutching pearls. Yeah. When I heard, I was like, not not, not Matthew. Not no. Bay. Not no. my Matthew. Not my Matthew. So you need to give me a call. So I'm going to go ahead and give you a, uh, a one. And uh, you tweet me so we can talk about yeah. it. See me after class. Mm-hmm. I was going to give it a zero, but that was Alec Baldwin level, so he's a little better than that. You rude, thoughtless little pig. <laughs> I'm going to give him a point seven. Uh. That's nice. On to our next type of apology. We're finishing up now. The what even is this <laughs> apology. <laughs> My favorite kind. What even is this? And uh, we're going to go into Kanye West apologizing in 2009 for storming Taylor Swift's stage at the MTV Music Video Awards. Oh. Lord. His apology. I'm so sorry to Taylor Swift and her fans and her mom. I spoke to her mother right after and she said the same thing my mother would have said. She is very talented. I like the lyrics about being a cheerleader and she's in the bleachers. I'm in the wrong for going on stage and taking away from her moment. I'm not crazy, y'all. I'm just real. Sorry for that. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute, what? Yeah, exactly. What happened? What happened there? Well, you can't say, I'm sorry, what I did was wrong and I shouldn't have believed what I believed, which is she didn't deserve the award. Mm -hmm. But, guys, I'm real. So I'm he actually real. did mean it. So it's not yeah. apology. It's like when rude people are just like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I, I speak my mind. I just speak without a filter. It's like, nope, you're just an idiot. Yeah, that's not a, uh, that's not an apology. So no. I'm going to go with zero. Zero, Emmanuel? I mean, it was, it was entertaining, point two. Point two. <laughs> and, guys, the very last apology type. Mm-hmm. This is as long as the war oh! of Mexico or whatever. <laughs> we call it the Naomi Campbell. Ooh, girl. When she lashed out at two police officers at Heathrow Airport. Oh, this isn't the cell phone incident? And no, this is something entirely oh, yeah, different. An entirely different phone, incident she of rage. Chuck a phone. So after she lashed out at these two police officers because she got so angry when British Airways lost her luggage at London's Heathrow Airport. Valid. She said, I apologize profusely to the police. As for British Airways, I don't apologize. Five. Five. <laughs> Five and we're out. <laughs> 5.2 on that one. <laughs> Naomi. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's how it's done, people. Seriously. <laughs> keep it short. Keep it shady. Mic drop. <laughs> keep it short, short and, and shady, shady, baby. Short and shady. So in the midst of celebrating are the celebratory tweets and Instagrams and Facebooks that we saw about Lemonade. I don't know if you guys saw that another popular black artist uh, was also being discussed. Notorious. You know her as Little K. K I am. I wouldn't call her popular. Well, she was. Oh, (laughs) shade. The shade. The shade. Name a song from Little Kim from the past five years. Apologize. Apologize right now. Not from the past. The, not from the past I'm five sorry, years. but she's just not that good anymore. <laughs> she's just being real. Rate that apology. <laughs> not from the past five years, but you cannot deny that she paved the way 
for a lot of female she rappers. She did. She did. Okay. Now, lately, I don't know what she's been doing. She's been on some other stuff. And apparently, she's been on a lot of plastic surgery because she posted some photos on Instagram that were a little shocking. Um, so for those who haven't seen the photos, it would appear that she got some work done. Uh, it appears that she may have perhaps lightened her skin. And I say that because you can do a lot of things with lighting these days. Mm-hmm. So A lot of things with filters on Amara. Instagram. Yeah. yeah. But if you see mm-hmm. this photo, if you Google this photo of little Kim, her face looks completely different. To the point where I saw, I don't know if you guys saw the photo, I saw it come through my Instagram and I didn't even realize it was her. I saw little Kim and I thought that it was one of, like, the makeup tutorial Instagrams that I oh, follow. Wow. And that, like, some guy had transformed himself into <laughs> Little Kim. A guy. Yeah. I thought, well, <laughs> I'm, I have seen men on Instagram transform themselves into a lot yeah. of different people. They so, do strong work. Yeah. Yep. And so there have been a lot of interesting pieces circulating about it. A piece by a woman named Patience Zalanga was on The Guardian. And she basically talked about how we shouldn't be judging Little Kim mm. for making these changes to her face. And most people are saying, you know... There's societal pressure there. She's trying to live up to this expectation of beauty that we have in this country that is modeled after white women. Mm -hmm. And so her changing her nose, her lightening her skin, her like dyeing her hair blonde, all of that is in pursuit of this beauty construct that we have in this country. She didn't have lemonade growing up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's still hard for a lot of women of color to deal with issues of colorism and race and to see themselves as beautiful given what society tells you you're supposed to look like. Yeah. Well, that article introduced me to the terrifying term misogynoir, which mm. I'd never heard before, which is the charming intersection between misogyny and colorism. Yeah. And women come out of it really badly. Black yeah. Women. I did not need those two things to come together. Yeah, exactly. It, it's the portmanteau word nobody right. needed. Uh. And so then I just started thinking about a ton of other people that we watched over the years. Like mo- I, probably the most famous one would have to be, hate to say it, Michael Jackson. Yes. Um, how we watched him transform over the years. And, it, like, we don't, we weren't in his head, so I'm not going to speculate. But if you've seen pictures of Michael Jackson in the 1970s, you know what he looked like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what he looked like before he passed in 2009. And he says that he lightened his skin because he had vitiligo, which is a condition that's sort of like you have these light patchy, mm-hmm. you know. And he wanted to even it out. Yeah, that was he wanted excuse, to even it right? out. Yeah. And that's what he told Oprah. We all saw that interview. I think we all saw that interview. Yeah. It seems to me like there might be some body dysmorphia disorder going mm. on. In case you don't know what that is, I have a definition here. Quote, a mental illness that involves a belief that one's own appearance is unusually defective, worthy of hiding or fixing, although the perceived flaw might be non-existent. Hmm. And I wrote this article about Ariana Grande's good side. She only wants to be photographed from her left side. Hmm. And Mariah's the same with that. Barbara Streisand had Oprah change her set around to sit on the other side so that it would be her good side. Oh, wow. And this old Hollywood star, Claudette Colbert, covered her bad side with green grease paint to remind cameramen of her better angle. So Mm. I feel like when so many people are projecting onto your face, like, oh, it looks this way. And like, is she beautiful? Is she not? And having all these opinions about just something that's natural to you. It's not surprising that a preference for one side or like a little hang up that you have might be blown into a whole like obsession on it and a disorder. Just think about like our Instagrams, like 200 followers or something like we posture and try to look our best selves for these people. 
Imagine if that was like millions of people who are also commenting rude stuff and the same people who say her nose is ugly will be the same person who says, oh, she got her nose job. So you can't win if you try to fit into the game of like playing the part of, okay, culture thinks this person is beautiful. I'm going to try and be that person. And then we gang up on her for trying to fit what we expect her to look like. I just feel like the whole thing's unfair and I'm sad for her that she felt the need to do this to her face. And, well, this is what I'm struck yeah. by with the online commentary, because normally when a celebrity's photo pops up and they look different, mm-hmm. they get ridiculed for it. It's like, oh, my God, what did she do to her face? What did she do to her nose? Like Renee Zellweger. That yes. Time. Yeah. yeah. Unleash the mockery. But for this, I was really blown away by just the kind of compassionate tone of the commentary. People saying, poor her, like mm-hmm. poor her that she felt the need to do this. And obviously you can argue that that tips into like condescension. Mm-hmm. You know, she's a grown woman. And it makes her own decisions. But if indeed, like, this look has been achieved with surgery, that is painful, long, momentous surgery. And I kind of want to let that, like, I want people to think about that, what someone, how strongly someone would have to feel and how keenly they would have to feel the pressures upon them to do that and go through those medical procedures. Because, you know, that's not just straightening your hair and dyeing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's not changing your lipstick color. That's a complete cosmetic overhaul, if indeed it's happened. I don't know if you guys have seen pictures of what little Kim used to look like back in the 90s. I remember. Like a different person. Yeah, she looked like a completely different person. And I mean, it it started, I mean, this is like, she didn't do this last week. Like, this has been a gradual process. If you've been a little Kim fan or you've known her, heard her music or seen her, then you know that it started with like, you know, her nose started to look a little different and then her skin started to get a little lighter. And so it's been years in the making. Um, I think the bigger question or like at least what this author was saying, this piece on The Guardian, Little Kim shouldn't be blamed for her new wider look, is that um, the whole thesis of her piece was basically like she's really not to blame, like society is to blame for, yeah. for propping up all of these images of sort of like all of these beauty standards that all of us are trying to, to sort of like live up to, especially yeah. for a black woman. It's like your hair, your skin, your nose, your, your 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 body type, like all of that is not accepted or all of that is not sort of like honored for us. And so little Kim, as successful as she was at one time and like a public figure, and she, in my opinion, I didn't think that that there was anything that needed to be fixed about her. But apparently she did. I remember being super surprised and shocked the first time I heard the term light-skinned girls in a song. Yeah, because it wasn't something I'd heard before. And I kind of thought, huh, why is that to think? Naively, you know, it was the first time I'd heard that. I think it was in a Kanye song. Everybody we rode with some light-skinned girls but I thought, oh, is that a thing? And then I thought about it deeply. I was like, it's clearly a thing. Yeah, you there know. are like levels of colorism. Like, I mean, so I can only speak to the black community, but I know that there are levels of colorism in, in all types of communities mm-hmm. of color. But typically the preference or what has been held up as the beauty standard is light skin. And so you have racism, but then there's this whole other layer within communities of color of colorism. And the lighter your skin, sort of like the the better they, that you are or the more well off you are in society or, or you're the, the more beautiful you are to some people. Yeah. Um, and so that's always been sort of like a conversation that has been had and that people of color have struggled with for a really long time. And so to watch her sort of make this transformation is just sort of like another indication that even in this era that we think that, oh, you know, we're getting better or, or we're making strides or, you know, you hear black is beautiful and all this stuff. There's still people who are struggling with that. So... Well, obviously, the fact that this has happened is not a good thing. I would say that the tone that the the conversation online has taken around this 
is quite heartening in that there's a lot of understanding and compassion there. And mm. even if people can't fully comprehend why someone would have done this, they can understand the environment in which something like this happens. And that's probably a move towards positivity. <laughs> Trying to find the good so. in this somewhere. <laughs> I know this is so depressing. We support you, Kim. Little Kim the Queen Bee, so you best take heed. Shall I proceed? Okay, so this week's song comes courtesy of the internet because there was something that happened last week. If you're on the internet, you have probably seen the phrase or heard the phrase or seen people saying, put some respect on it. R E S P E C K. (laughs) So to recap, rapper Birdman, you may know him from such songs as I'm the number one stunner, stunner. Rapper Birdman rolled up in two. The studio at Hot 105 this week to The Breakfast Club, they basically talk smack about everybody. Mm. So he showed up for an interview and he was highly upset. And he confronted all three of the hosts and basically told them repeatedly that when they mention his name, they better put some respect on it. So let's listen to a little Mm. clip of the interview. When my name come up, respect it. Let's go. Stop playing with my f***ing name. All drill, y'all. Stop playing with my name. I ain't gonna say it no more. Put some respect on my name. Can I just uh, confess that I saw Birdman trending on Twitter and I thought it was the Michael Keaton <laughs> film? <laughs> I was like, oh, it must be out on DVD. So, like, that movie has legs. Yeah. Yes. Like, oh. Can I confess when I heard that Birdman was nominated for an award, I was wondering why <laughs> Birdman like, Oh, was- my God. You were like, Birdman's going to the Oscars. <laughs> yes. So within, I will say, minutes or at least an hour or a day, the Internet had got a hold of this interview and started making memes. Mm-hmm. OK. Um, people, As they all want to do. <laughs> people started making memes of hot sauce bottles. So they have put some respect on it. Hot, hot sauce bottles. Mm-hmm. And with the K, respect. They have T-shirts. Put some respect on it. T-shirts. And they have music. So let's listen oh to a little bit, of, a little a little ditty. Listen, when you say my name, put some respect on it. I ain't playing with oh, y'all. Put some respect on it. And I ain't gonna say it. And I ain't gonna say it no more. <sighs> and but my favorite one is the trap remix. Okay. <laughs> so we're just gonna ride out and remember when you say the cooler podcast. Put some respect on put it. Put some respect on it. Put some respect on my name. Put some respect on my name. All drill, y'all. Put some respect on my name. Y'all understand me? I ain't got no more talk. I'm pulling up on you. Put some respect on my name. Put some respect on my name. Y'all finished or y'all done? Thanks to our podcast papa, David Marcus. Thanks to Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs for our amazing theme song that you hear at the beginning of the show. Thank you to Howard Gelman behind the glass. And thanks to Jay Simpson for helping me edit. Please subscribe on iTunes. Also rate us if you like us. If you don't, um, you never heard this. Until next week, find us on social media. I am Excuse My Beauty without the first D on Twitter. I am at Teacup in the Bay. I am at Jamitra Says. Follow us. Favorite our stuff. Retweet. Bye. Bye. Put some respect on my name. All drill, y'all. Put some respect on my name. Y'all understand me? I ain't got no more talk. I'm pulling up on you. Put some respect on my name. Put some respect on my name. Y'all finished or y'all done? (laughs) (laughs) Amazing.